Acts chapter number 27. We're going to do a lot of Scripture reading, uh, about 30 verses, but uh, we're going to use most of them, amen? And uh, so I want you to pay close attention as we read and uh, follow along with us in the Word of God. Acts chapter number 27, and I'd like to begin reading at verse number 9. The Word of God says, Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenix and there to winter, which is an haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, strike sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, no small tempest lay on us, All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, and sounded and found it twenty fathoms, And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. Then fearing, lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under color, as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting and having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And we were in all in the ship two hundred, three score, and sixteen souls. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore, 
into the which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. Let's, I want you to read with me verse number 20 once more. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. Lord, thank You for Your Holy Spirit. I pray that You would, Father, work in hearts that which would give You the most glory this evening. Lord, You know what each and every heart in this room needs. So, Father, we don't seek to do it through conniving or, Lord, through, through wisdom or cunning, but we just depend and trust and lean wholly upon Your wisdom and upon the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Father, we love You. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. This is probably one of the more famous episodes, if we could use that term, episode, out of the life of Paul. And I've been thinking heavily upon this passage of Scripture for several days now. This is one of the storm scenes in the Word of God. And you'll find as you study the Word of God that there's, there's sunrise scenes and there's sunset scenes. You'll find that there are midnight scenes in the Word of God. You'll find that there are cave scenes, scenes that take place within a cave. You'll find out there are field scenes, things that take place in the field. And, of course, there's many episodes, many stories in the Word of God that take place in the midst of a storm. I think that these probably get more preaching than a lot of other passages. Could it be that we have a real keen understanding that life is sometimes made up of more storms than it is sunshine? And anybody that spends enough time living the Christian life and serving God will partake in their fair share of storms. I sang a song on Sunday night about the storm and about Christ being in between us in the storm. And You know, you won't find very many storms, uh, very many songs about weathering the storms. You find most of them about getting out of the storms. And I think sometimes it makes for better singing to sing about the Lord swooping in and providentially intervening in a situation, removing us from that trial and that tribulation. And certainly the Lord's capable of doing that. But we find in this story of the life of Paul a storm that Paul had to go through. You know, there's going to be storms in your life that you're going to have to go through. All the prayer in the world ain't going to change it because God has a purpose in it. You see, sometimes God chooses to calm the storm, and He's able to do that. But there's other times when God chooses to calm the saint. Sometimes the glory that God gets out of our life, He gets through us getting out of the storm. But there's many times that the glory that God gets in our lives, He gets by us getting through the storm rather than getting out of the storm. And certainly Paul knew this not only in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. He had a thorn in the flesh, and he prayed and asked God three times to take it away. The Lord said, no, Paul, I won't take it away. Now, Paul was a man that knew prayer worked. Paul understood that. You can tell by the prayers that Paul prayed. He understood how prayer worked and that prayer worked. And Paul knew what it was to pray and to get things from God. But here he has besought heaven that his circumstances might change. And the answer from heaven is no. But the Lord gives him this promise, says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. You see, there's storms in our lives that we're going to have to go through. And I want to preach to you for a few moments tonight on the topic of weathering these storms. I was going to title the message, Surviving the storms, but can I say that uh, the Lord has promised us that we'd survive them. It's a question of how we're going to weather them. 
You see, some people go through a storm and get better, and others go through a storm and get bitter. Some people go through a storm, and when they come out the other side, they rejoice in it like it was a spring rain. And others, when they come out the other side, they come out just a cussing and fussing and fighting that God made them go through it. You see, it's not as much whether we're going to go through them, but how we're going to go through them. And Paul exhibits to us some things tonight that I believe will help us as we face these storms. I want to say a word tonight about the picture that's in this storm. You see, in a lot of ways, this storm pictured a lot of the things that we're going to go through in life for three reasons. Notice verse 14 with me. Actually, notice verse 13 and 14. The Bible says, And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. Did you get what the passage said there? Uh, when the south wind blew softly, they supposed that they had obtained their purpose. Now, what do they mean? Let's just talk a little nautical talk tonight. When they felt the wind blowing and when they saw the kind weather and everything seemed to be going well, they said, now's the time. Let's go. Let's leave with the tide. But look at verse 14. It says, but not long after. Oh, enough emphasis can't be put on that, those few words. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon. Can I say that this was an unexpected storm? And you're going to find that the vast majority of the storms you go through in life are unexpected. You never planned to have them. You never signed up for that. You ever had a moment in your Christian life where you sat down feeling sorry for yourself and told the Lord you didn't sign up for that? <laughs> And he reminded you that it wasn't about you signing up for anything. It was about him signing his name on your sin debt. It, it wasn't about you agreeing to anything. It was about you coming as a lost sinner, unable to save yourself. And he took pity on you and had grace on you and showed mercy on you. But I've had those moments when it just seems like everything's going well, just exactly as you'd plan it, just exactly. If you could write the story, it's going the way you'd write it. And then in a moment, with one phone call, with one, with, with one traffic accident, with one diagnosis, with one in piece of information that you get from one of your children, it just seems like it all goes to pieces. Sometimes storms come to us unexpected. I think that we in this part of the world very much expect to have a lot of warning signs for a storm, and that, that's typical. Now, of course, we have the weather, uh, you know, the weatherman and everything. Of course, that's not really helping you much most of the time. You know, it's uh, what was the old newscaster say? There's a 100% chance of weather. And uh, I guess that's about as true as you could make the weather channel. But the truth of the matter is, in this part of the world, it was not uncommon, especially in the Mediterranean Sea. And it actually tells us in this passage that they came to a place where, where two seas met. Uh, they were in a place where it was very common for a storm to arise just out of nowhere. Uh, no storm clouds, nothing going on, but just in a moment. And in fact, it's interesting that they give a name to this storm. We do that in this day that we live in. In fact, if you look on the news, you'll find that through hurricane season, there'll be storms that are of such magnitude and of such rating and caliber by the weather people that they will actually give a name to it because it is an event of significance. And sometimes in our life, an event of significance that rocks all our world and that rattles our understanding will come up just in a moment. Have you ever ended the evening wondering how you got there from where you were when you got up? Have you ever sat in a hospital and just thought, boy, I never thought this day was going to go like this? That's the funny thing about storms. We don't get a schedule for them. Sometimes they're unexpected. I want you to notice verse 15. The Bible says, And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind... 
we let her drive. It's interesting that they say we let her drive. Not we drove, we let her drive, speaking of the ship. I would say that this storm was unexpected, but I would say it was unavoidable. Now, there's no question, Paul gave them warning. But in Paul's circumstances, Paul was a prisoner aboard that ship. Do you understand that in this life, you and I are of a sorts prisoners aboard the ship of this life? Most of us would probably, if we got enough God about us, we would admit that if we had our way, we'd choose like Paul would have chose to depart and to be with Christ, which is far greater. But right now, God has a purpose for us, and so He's left us in this earthly tabernacle, and He's left us in the ship of this life, and we're prisoners here. And as long as we live in this life, there's going to be things happen that you can't do anything about. And things that God chooses not to do anything about. I understand, it ain't going to make a good gospel song, but it's still the truth. God's not going to deliver you from every storm you get into. Sometimes He won't deliver you from it. He'll deliver you through it. Aren't you thankful that God didn't deliver the the four Hebrew children? We say they're children. They're grown men. But aren't you thankful the Lord didn't deliver them from the furnace? He delivered them through the furnace. Now, most of us and, and, and the average TV preacher with the pretty suit that's selling his handkerchiefs, you know, he would tell you that God will always deliver you from your storms. God will always deliver you from your furnace. But the reality is sometimes it's with us as it was with Paul when the Lord said, Paul, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, I would much rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, God made Paul to understand that though this storm in his life, and I'm talking about his thorn in the flesh, though it was unavoidable, it was also something that was going to glorify the Lord. There's times when all the praying you do and I know this isn't, we'll get encouraged here in a second, but listen, if you're in that storm, you need this right now. There's times when all the prayer in the world ain't going to change your circumstances. Not because God don't listen to prayer and not because God hates you or has something against you, but because God knows something about it that you don't know about it. God knows what you need even when you don't know what you need. And funny thing about it, God is the one that makes it rain on the just and the unjust. That means when the storms come in our life, many times it is chastisement. Many times we have caused it. Many times it is an opportunity for the Lord to step out on the helm and to raise His hand and calm the storms. But just every now and then we have some times in our life where God purposes that we go through it, just as Paul did. The passages we read, we, there, there could have been much more that we could have read. And the story does go on past that. I encourage, encourage you to read it in your own time. But we stop where we stop because almost all of the passages we read dealt only with this storm, this particular episode. Paul went on. The Lord delivered him. I'm thankful God delivers us. But when Paul and everyone aboard that ship was pleading with God, and I believe there was a time when Paul was pleading with God aboard this ship. Now... He said that the angel of the Lord, and you say, who's that? Well, that's Christ. Very unique. That, 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 to my knowledge, is the only time that that title is ascribed to him in the New Testament. But that is uh, Jesus Christ. You say, how do I know that? Because Paul said, whose I am and whom I serve. Paul said, he's the one I belong to. Came and what did he say to Paul? He said, fear not. Now, the Lord doesn't waste a breath. He doesn't say things for no reason. I believe that Christ said that to Paul because Paul needed to hear it because Paul was afraid. 
And I believe Paul, like any Christian ought to, when they get afraid and when they're troubled about a situation, I believe Paul was in the habit of going to the Lord about it. But all the prayers of this mighty man of God, the prayers of those aboard this ship, crying out to the Lord, would not stop this storm because God had ordered it. We see that this storm was unavoidable. I want you to notice a third thing. Look at verse 20. The Bible says, And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared... By the way, and this isn't... This isn't part of my message, but do you notice that they did everything they humanly could to try to stop the storm? Do you notice that? Look at the verses. It says in verse 17, when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship. It says that they had come by damage, so they pulled off onto the shore and they lifted the ship up out of the water. They put undergirding underneath it and tried to keep it from uh, drifting back out, and they were going to work on it, but it was too dangerous, so they straked sail in verse 17. And we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. They did everything they could to stop it. But look at verse 20. It says, And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Now see, here's the thing, and here's where we read that through the eyes of the flesh instead of through the eyes of the spiritual man. We see only that it says all hope. All hope was taken away. But what we miss is where it says all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Do you understand that it's not always best that God rescue you from the things you want to be rescued from? We see that this was an unsettling storm. When it says neither sun nor moon nor stars appeared for many days, that means it was so black and so dark in the sky that there was not a single light that they could see. Have you ever entered a storm like that in your life? And if you've not, then you don't understand. But if you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know what it is to be in the midst of something so confusing, so confounding, so discouraging that you can see no way in it or no way out of it. This was an unsettling storm. This was greatly disturbing to them. Not everything that makes you uncomfortable, not everything that makes you uncomfortable is of the devil. Not everything that makes you uncomfortable is of the devil. There's times God allows us to be unsettled. And what happened in this passage... And by the way, it wasn't so that they'd cry out and God sweep in and stop it. God never did do that. They had to wait out this storm, but God still had a purpose in it. I see the picture in this storm, but I want you to notice, secondly, the peace in the middle of this storm. Uh, you, you can imagine, if you will, me, me and my brother have been talking about Herman Melville. He wrote the book Moby Dick and other, uh, other classic books, and he wrote about a lot of nautical themes. And Herman Melville had a, a way of describing in a picturesque way, circumstances. And uh, I say that because I wish he was here to preach this instead of me because I don't know how I'm going to do it. But you can imagine the scene aboard that ship. You can imagine uh, as the next day comes on and, and, and as they get just a little duskness and, and, and grayness about them, uh, you, you can imagine as they're running to and fro, as they're trying to find a way, something to, to shore up the ship with, something to toss out, something to lighten and load, something to try to find a way. And here's Paul in the midst of the very same storm, and he's got a peace, which if, if I could risk... Uh, sounding coy, passeth all understanding. See, sometimes it's not a matter of whether we're going to get in or out of that storm. It's about how we handle it. 
Here's Paul strolling up and down the deck. And don't you just hate people that handle situations well? (laughs) Don't you just hate folks like that? But you see, something had gone on in Paul's heart and mind that equipped him for this. Here's the thing. If you're going to weather this storm that you're going through, you're going to have to know how to go through it. Let me give you three things. Look what he says in verse 23. He says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. Can I say first off that Paul's peace came from an awareness of God's presence in the midst of the storm he was going through. Paul understood that though he may be a prisoner aboard this vessel, though he may look around and seemingly not have a friend in the world, though he may be headed for certain judgment at a judicial seat and he's appealed to Caesar and he's headed to Rome, nothing could be bleaker in Paul's life. Nothing could seem worse. I mean, most of us, we'd just be gripping and moaning, complaining. We'd crawl up in the fetal position down the bottom of the ship and we'd say, don't come and get me till I'm dead. That's how we'd be. And yet Paul, in the midst of all this, is able to, 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 uh, to retain a cheery attitude, first off, because he understands that though his situation cannot get worse, his Savior cannot get closer. He says, stood by me. That's, that's interesting. It would have been enough if he had just said that the angel of the Lord spoke to me. I mean, we have enough preach on there for all night. But that's not what he said. He said, the angel stood by me. He's signifying that the Savior was not only aware of his situation, but was abiding with him in the midst of his situation. Do you know that God's with you? He made that promise. It's amazing the selective faith we have when it comes to the Scriptures. It's amazing to me that certain Scriptures we could place so much faith in and they could become such a bedrock foundation for who and what we are. And then other passages of Scripture that are just as inspired, because every bit of it's inspired, that are just as inspired, that are just as true, that are just as settled in heaven, we completely dismiss according to our context. The Word of God says, He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now that's a comfort. Anything God's going to put you through, He's going to go through with you. Anything God's going to allow to happen to you, He's going to go through it with you. And you say, well, that's different. He's God. That's different. He's God. He don't go through it like I go through it. No, but He went through it like you're going through it. Who was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our... What's that next word? Infirmities. Remember, Paul said, I will glory in mine infirmities. The Savior can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He abides with us in the midst of the storm. And whether we choose to believe it, whether we like to believe it, uh, whether we make up our mind to believe it or not, it doesn't change the fact. Whether we rejoice in it or not, God's still with us. God's not just with us when we rejoice. God's with us when we despair. God's not just with us when we acknowledge it. God's with us whether we acknowledge it or not. But what gave Paul the peace that he had was he was aware of God's presence. Notice verse 24. It says, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. He had a keen awareness of God's presence, but he had a keen awareness of God's power. 
He says, the Lord told me that every single person on this vessel is going to be delivered. And he said, you know, I believe God about that. God made you some remarkable promises when he saved you. Oh, how it would help us to get in that book and study the promises that God's made. He's promised us some things. He's promised us that he'll see us through these times. He hasn't promised us there won't be any loss or damage or hurt. Sometimes there will be. He hasn't promised us we're not going to shed tears. He's not promised us that we won't wonder why sometimes. But He's promised us that He'd be with us. And if He won't deliver us from it, He'll deliver us through it. You see, I believe what Paul was indicating is the God of heaven, who is all-powerful, has spoken to me and told me that the best place for me to be is on this ship. Do you understand that your storm, if it's the center of God's will, is a lot safer for you than the shore is? Do you get that? That storm that you're begging God to take away that you don't understand, that storm that's ruining your attitude or making you bitter or or, or driving you away from the prayer closet or from the Word of God or the house of God, that storm, if you'll just get your heart submitted to the Lord, can be the place where you flourish. Paul understood God's capability to calm that storm if he so chose. But that leads me to a third thing. Look at verse number 26. Paul says, Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. He had an awareness of God's presence, that God was with him. He had an awareness of God's power, that God had the ability either to calm the storm or to see him through it. But he also had a keen awareness of God's purpose. We must be cast upon a certain island. I wonder how Paul knew that. See, it's just a, it's just a matter of simple deduction. Paul knew God had promised him that he was going to survive. Paul knew that that ship was not going to survive that storm. So Paul figured, well, I guess the Lord wants me upon a certain island. Can I just say there are some logical deductions we can make sometimes about our circumstances? Can I give you, for instance... If you're going through a storm and you've prayed and asked God to take it away and He's not done it, can I say that it's just logical to assume that God wants you in the middle of that storm? Just logical. And can I go a step further and just say this, uh, that if you've prayed and asked God to take it away and God's not changed your circumstances, God's left you in the storm, but you know that God is going to see you through it, could you just logically deduce that there must be a purpose in the storm that you're going through. You would find, if you were to read chapter number 28, that it was upon this little island by the name of Miletus that Paul was bitten by a serpent and he shook it off into the fire and God got the glory out of that circumstance. And the Bible says that many of them came to Paul and were healed. We don't know how many of those believed on Jesus Christ through the testimony of Paul. Uh, But I would say that it'd be safe to say that there was folks in heaven because Paul went through the storm. Do you know that God does have a purpose? And listen, and I don't, I don't mean this in an unkind way. Please know that. But do you know that it's not my job to explain to you what that purpose is? It's not somebody around you. It's not their job to explain it. And if God doesn't so choose to explain it, it's not His job to explain it to you. I don't think Paul knew the name of this island. In fact, we find out just a few verses later that as they drew near to some land that they didn't know where it was. Paul didn't know the name of the island. He didn't know the group of people he was going to reach. He didn't know when it was going to happen or how it was going to happen. But he said, if God has me going through this, then there must be a purpose for it. And I believe God 
enough to trust Him to see that purpose. We see His peace in the midst of the storm. Let me give you one final thing. We see His patience in the midst of the storm. You know, there's a lot of us that, that we don't even have peace, alone patience. Well, patience is a tough thing. It's a tough thing. It's tough to do right when things seem to go wrong. But we've got to make up our mind as grown-ups. I don't mean grown-ups biologically. I mean grown-ups spiritually. If we're going to be spiritually mature Christians, we've got to make our mind up that we'll do right even when things go wrong. Some of you, when you're working or if you still are working, you had times when you woke up and you didn't feel good, but you went anyway. You know why? Because you knew it was important to do right even when things didn't go right. Sometimes when you was raising kids and, and uh, we're beginning to learn these lessons, uh, sometimes when you're raising kids, uh, you sacrifice and you give and you, you put up with sometimes. And, uh, you know, they're fickle and they're, they're picky and they're hard to understand. And, and that's just teenagers, you know. And, uh, but as you go through that, you understand that sometimes you have to do right even if things go wrong. That's what patience is. Patience is doing right when things ain't going the way you expect. We think patience is some sort of serene state of mind, but it's not. We think patience is some sort of spiritual and superlative contentment that we have, but it's not. You can be patient even if you're not content, even if you don't feel good. You can still be patient. You say, how am I patient? By doing the right thing, because you know it's right. We see three things about this story. Look at verse 28. And here's some advice I believe would help us if you're in the midst of one of these storms. The Bible says, and sounded and found it 20 fathoms. When they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. Then fearing, lest they should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. Here's three reasons that they survived this storm. First, they stayed anchored in the midst of it. Or can I put it to you this way? They stayed anchored. In the secret place. You know, there's only three times, or four times, excuse me, in the Word of God that the word anchor is found. Three times are in this passage right before us. And then there's a fourth time in Hebrews chapter 6. I just preached on it a couple weeks ago, but let me read it to you. The Bible says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Now listen to this. And which entereth into that within the veil. In the language that Paul's using in the book of Hebrews, he's speaking not of the physical earthly veil, but of the heavenly veil that enters into the presence of God. That veil which was was spiritually rent for us, but it goes into that secret place that's signified through the Old Testament by the, the Holy of Holies, that place where the presence of God came and sat down, that place where the presence of God observed the blood in the Old Testament, where the Shekinah glory of God would make His appearance and His presentation. And so I think that that part of the message here is when things go bad, make sure if you don't do anything else, make sure you don't neglect your personal time with the Lord. Sometimes storms make for busy times, don't you think? I'm sure there was a lot going on in the midst of this storm. I'm sure there was a lot of running. I'm sure there was a lot of work. If you've ever uh, watched anything about about ships and about sailing, you know that in the midst of a storm, they're constantly tweaking and adjusting. They're raising sails. They're lowering sails. They're trying to do everything they can to keep that ship steady. And can I say that sometimes that busyness can drive us away from our time with the Lord. And that's true in our lives as well. 
When things go wrong, when things go bad, sometimes it's easy to neglect the place where our anchor sits. But understand that you're, you're doing the worst disservice that you can when you go through the midst of a hard time, when you close that Bible, when you shut the door to that prayer closet, when you choose to not spend time with the Lord, that's the worst possible thing that you can do. You've got to stay anchored. That, that is the anchoring place. You know, there, there's just something about it. And, you, and, and if you've been there, you know what I mean. You walk out of the craziness of this world. You walk out of the, the harshness of your circumstances. You walk out of a world in which you don't understand and you don't know what you're going to do next and you can't figure out. And you walk into the presence of God. When you bow your head and you're hid in the secret place of the Almighty, you're sheltered in the time of storm, and all of a sudden you're in a place that never changes. Though everything else may change, you're in a place that never changes. We need to stay anchored in the secret place. Let me show you a second thing. Look at verse 30. The Bible says, And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea under color, as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. This is very interesting what's happening here. Because the soldiers, the sailors, they look around and they say, Well, we've got to get out of here. If we're going to be saved, we've got to get off this boat. And so they know that they can't get into those lifeboats and leave and let people know what they're doing. So they, they, the Bible says under color, under pretense. They, they told folks they were going to get in the boat and go around and cast some more anchors. But really what their intention was to get off that boat, to leave it and to not come back. And Paul, knowing what was going on, says to the master of the ship, says those men are trying to flee. They're trying to jump ship. If they don't stay in this ship, none of us can be saved. Can I say that not only do we need to stay anchored in the secret place, but we need to stay aboard in service. Can I just let you in on a secret? Do you know that a lot of times in the midst of your storm, if you'll get out of church and quit serving God, it'll make that storm go away? A lot of times. A lot of times if you quit reading your Bible, that storm will go away. A lot of times if you jump ship, it will go away. A lot of times, you know why that is? Because the Lord that's been trying to, to purify and purge and has been trying to bring you to a closer walk with Him, when He sees that your response to it, to the chastening or to the, to the heavy hand of God, is to give up, to faint in the midst of that experience, a lot of times He will turn away and back off. And sometimes it's, if it's the devil that is persecuting you in your life, he understands he doesn't have to do it anymore and he'll leave you alone. A lot of times it will help things. But can I say that the hurt they would have experienced in getting out of the ship far outweighed the hurt that they would have experienced in staying in the ship. But only someone that is keenly aware of the providence of God can understand that. Oh yeah, it may help your circumstances right now. Oh, it may help things at this very moment, but man, that God's trying to do something in your life. And if you jump ship now, you're going to miss out on what God's trying to do. 
Do you understand that God's trying to bring some things about in your life, whether it, whether it's externally, whether it, it's temporal things, or whether it's spiritual things, whether it has to do with your faith and with you growing with Him? God has a purpose, or maybe it has to do with neither. Maybe it's on the Isle of Miletus that you're the only chance they'll have of hearing the gospel. But whatever reason, if you jump ship, you're going to miss what God's trying to do. Oh, you may have calmer waters right now, but the problem is you don't go very far in a little old rowboat. You may have calmer waters right now, but you don't go very far in that little old rowboat. You won't do much. Not trying to be ugly, but that's the truth. You give up on God, you won't do much. Oh, you'll survive, but you won't do much. You've got to stay aboard. And you know, it's interesting that when they got out, they got out under false pretenses. You ever heard somebody say this? Well, you know, I just need a little time to myself. No, no, you don't need time for yourself. You need time for your flesh. That's why we get out. That's the truth. People say, well, you know, it's just, I, I don't know, I just felt like I needed a break. A break from what? <laughs> a break from the presence of God? A break from the house of God and the people of God? A break from the preaching of the Word of God? Now, you see, none of those things will fix, fix your problem. They had false pretenses in why they were trying to get out. Let me give you a final thing and I'm done. Look at verse number 33. The Bible says, and while the day was coming on. This is interesting. While the day was coming on. In other words, the storm was about to end. While the day was coming on. It says, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, and having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. So, the Bible says, then were they all of good cheer. And they also took some meat. Can I say you need to stay anchored in the secret place and you need to stay aboard in service. And this is my final thought. You need to stay encouraged in spirit. Now, I, and I'm going to try to be careful with what I'm about to say, but... We have a lot of say in what our attitude is. We do. We have a lot of say in what our attitude is. Now, I'm not trying to preach to you the power of positive thinking. And I'm not trying to say that you need to live in a fairy tale world. But most of us, when we're going through these storms, you know what we have a tendency to do? It's interesting that these men fasted and prayed. It's interesting to me that they had been for 14 days. I wonder where they got that idea from. Probably from Paul before he had gotten the news from the Lord that they were going to survive. I don't know that. But for 14 days they had taken nothing to eat. Paul says, look, God's in control. It's going to be just how God said it would be. So why don't you take a little something to eat. This is for your health. Be of good cheer. We we live in a day. It's funny. We we are we are starkly separated into two categories in this day that we live in. Just, just absolute, just doe-eyed optimists, and then downtrodden pessimists. And you'll find most folks fall into one of those two categories. And either nothing's ever going to go wrong, or nothing ever goes right. We have a little say in what our attitude is. 
You see, they were, they were doing something that was contributing to their melodrama. They, were do, they chose to do things that would discourage them because their circumstances were discouraging. Can I say, your circumstances may be discouraging, but that don't mean you've got to discourage yourself. Your circumstances may be difficult, but that doesn't mean that you have to wallow in the difficulty of your situation. Because no matter what, God's still on His throne. We have a little say in what our attitudes are. We have a little choice in how we approach these storms. And I wonder tonight, maybe, if you're going through some things, and the Lord has shown you that you're going to have to go through some things, can I say you don't have to go through them miserable? You don't have to go through them with a bad attitude. You don't have to go through them downtrodden. You, like Paul, can have peace in the midst of your storm, see the purpose of God in it, and rejoice in who and what He is and what He has planned for you.